and, and what I want to ask Faith as well is, um, with my knowledge of property, I know there's different strategies. Now, Faith mentioned rent to rent as a, as a strategy initially that she was interested in, which doesn't require initial, a lot of initial capital to start off with. And then you've got, um, obviously, the typical buy to let. Now, now Faith, I, I know of things such as, um, even when we talk about buy to let, you can buy um, to rent to uh, a, a young family, for example. You can rent to students. You can do things such as multi-lets or probably better terms nowadays, HMOs, house of multiple occupancies. Um, you've even got things like serviced accommodation nowadays um, mm. and using your property as an Airbnb. Um, and, and there's even more sophisticated strategies such as lease option agreements. Maybe not all of them, but can you touch on a few of them to talk about some of the pros and cons or whether it's something that you've considered or, or you lack the idea of? Yeah, sure. Um, so my first... Um, consideration when I was looking at strategies was rent to rent and now a question that often people ask is you know why would a landlord give you their property um you know allow you to make money off their property why can't they just do it themselves um ultimately being a landlord is is stressful and so if someone is coming to you saying I will guarantee you your rent on a monthly basis um, as long as you allow me to then let out the rooms individually, a landlord's probably going to prefer that guaranteed income and, and no stress. Um, so that's kind of how a lot of people sort of do the strategy itself. Another question people often ask is, but isn't that subletting? Isn't that illegal? Subletting is only illegal when you're doing it without the knowledge and the informed consent of the owner of the property and making sure that your mortgage provider and the insurance provider is well aware and is happy for the property to be used as a multi-let property. Um, so rent to rent often, I'll, I'll, I'll give a broad brush example of the numbers. So let's say you take a four bed house um, in, I don't know, South London, and you're paying the landlord the rent of a thousand pounds a month, then you let out those rooms at 500 pounds each to, I don't know, young professionals you're then making £2,000 from those young professionals and then you're giving £1,000 to the, to the owner of the property and then you're left with 1000 in your pocket. That's gross, you know, you have to factor in management costs, et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, let's, let's say that's £1,000 a month. For a property you don't own and to be earning £1,000 a month, that's, that's, that's not bad. And, you know, you haven't had to put down any large deposit or anything like that. So you can see why a lot of people like the rent-to-rent -rent strategy. And I did go there. So even after my, once I bought my first buy to let, um, uh, I had a family friend, a member, um, a family friend was struggling to let her property out. This was a one bed property in Peckham. She was struggling to let it out. Um, and her circumstances meant that she was living elsewhere. And so I, you know, knowing the rent to rent strategy, I said, okay, let me help you get the property tenanted. Um, just let me know how much you need because I think she was actually losing money on the sort of having to pay ground rent service charge all this kind of stuff so I I paid her about 500 a month and then I got someone in paying me 800 a month so I was making 300 quid a month on a property that I, I didn't own which was fine but then there was issues with the property you know the boiler breaking down and this and that and you know as a rent to rent operator you are essentially the managing agent you know, so you have to have systems in place to deal with any property issues. So it isn't glamorous. Um, 
you, if you if you're if you can systemize and make it work and I've seen people do it really well there's a lady called Stephanie um uh Stephanie oh gosh oh my gosh how's her surname anyway she she is like the rent to rent queen and I've interviewed her on my, on my podcast um on my YouTube channel so she started with rent to rent and she built up her portfolio her management portfolio of these properties to the point that she had enough cash to then buy property so often it's a good strategy to kind of get started with you do need to have a little bit of money because you need to be advertising you need to be going to you know maybe sending letters out to landlords to try and get you know properties and you you have to have time as well you have to be able to um you know get tenants in there do all of the stuff that an agent would do to start making money off of it but then once you've got enough cash you can then use that to maybe move on to let's say buy to lets for example um and a buy to let is uh, i prefer single lets um single lets i.e you're just letting the whole property to one family um and you're getting i don't know 500 quid a month and it's fine um, you can also do, as Jax has uh, mentioned, you can let to multiple people. So that's an HMO, a house with multiple occupation. Um, you have to have the correct licenses in place. The property has to be an HMO licensed property. So you have to go through um, the local authority planning department to get you know, the specific licenses for that property um, to be able to operate it as an HMO. A lot of people like it because you can basically be getting a lot more money out of a property. Um, a lot of people refer to it as sweating the asset. So, so really pulling as much money out of that property as possible. What I don't like so much about HMOs, and I've heard this from people that operate loads of HMOs, they started off loving it. And in the end, they're like, actually, it's a lot of this management intensive. And it's just a lot, you know, you're spending quite a bit of cash to buy the property, turn it into an HMO, get the tenants in for then not much capital at the end. And I think often if you're ever going to go into property investing, you have to ask yourself how important is like my time, like how much do you value your time? Mm. That's, that's, if, that's, so, sorry yeah. to jump in, Faith. That's a very interesting point you made because, you know, um, as an individual myself, as Jax, um, you know, for me, investing is, is where I, accumulate capital from somewhere else whether it's my nine-to-five job or whether it's from business and then I use that capital to invest but essentially for me the investment should be as passive as possible because mm. the time and my energy is better served obviously accumulating the capital in the first place and so whenever I've spoken about even investing in properties I've told people I know about rent rent strategies or, or HMOs and that kind of stuff but that requires time and, and energy and effort. I don't need another job, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yes, it has got an investment element to it, but I don't need another job. Personally, I would want to spend more time accumulating capital, using my um, abilities, my skill set, and that kind of stuff, and then passing on that capital to invest. So for me personally, speaking as today, like obviously things can change. I think I like the idea of family less. I, I, I don't like stress. Mm. I, don't, I don't like stress. I want things to be as passive as possible. Um, mm. So continue with that conversation. We've spoken about uh, multi-lets and that kind of stuff. Do you know much about these other kind of more sophisticated strategies, such as uh, lease option agreements and that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. Um, I've not done one myself um, because, again, I think 
there are so many ways you can make money out of property. So lease option essentially is where you um, rent a property from a landlord for a given period of time and you have the option to buy the property at the end of that lease period. So for anyone that doesn't know, a lease is essentially what you would enter in. If you live in a flat um, and you have a landlord, the lease is, you know, let's say you've rented that property for 12 months, you will have a lease document in place to say you're going to pay the landlord x amount each month for for 12 months now typically what people will tend to do is um, approach a landlord a landlord might be struggling to let a property you know sit and empty Um, you could say to them well why don't I rent your property for three years um, if you allow me to then sublet it Um, but I also want the potential to buy the property at the end of those three years. Let's lock in a price today at which I will buy the property at the end of those three years. And people tend to like that option agreement because it's a good way to kind of lock in value today. So you might say to someone, okay, after these three years, I have the option to buy your house for 300K. In those three years, property values might go up, they might go down, but let's say they go up, And that property is now worth 500K at the end of the three years, but you've already agreed to buy the property for 300K. So you could then, if you then want to buy the property, you pay the landlord, you buy the property off them for 300K, you could then immediately put it back on the market for 500K, you've made 200K. So that's what essentially high level a lease option is. Um, They're a little more tricky to find, I would say, and there's a lot more negotiation that you'd need to do you need to get the landlord on board on side the landlord needs to be happy with the idea of potentially their property value going up but them not getting that increase in value you could potentially you know work out a you know a, a, they get a share of the uplift you know there's there's so many ways you can cut the cake as it were but those the the more sophisticated ones usually requires people to be a bit more of a negotiator and to be a bit more patient with um you know working up the offer and getting the landlord on board or the property owner on board so that's a lease option you've got serviced accommodation which you can use some people buy will buy a buy to let but then use operate it as a serviced accommodation unit that tends to work well in places where you know people tend to come and holiday so some people will do it for holiday purposes which last year we saw obviously holiday um let's kind of tank Um, But you can also let out properties to contractors, to businesses, um, all this kind of stuff. So it's a similar scenario. You've got a property. um, Someone will come and and pay rent per night. So they'll, you know, it's it's Airbnb, essentially. So if you think about when you use Airbnb and you're paying for three nights, it's it's a hotel. Essentially, you're running a hotel service that, in my opinion, is a lot more time intensive again, because you're having to turn over. Uh, the, the 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 property more often you know once you've had someone stay for two three days a cleaning service needs to come in clean reset the property ready for whoever's coming in next um so there's a lot more management behind it um i know a lot of people that do really well with that strategy again you don't have to own the property you could agree a rent to rent um agreement with the landlord and then let it out as a serviced accommodation unit so there's honestly once you start to know and understand these strategies you can really start to like make it work for you um i actually (laughs) oh i can talk about it now because it doesn't hurt my spirit as much but last year i invested so i had come to the point where 
as much as I love buy to lets and I'll continue to buy buy to lets um, as and when they kind of the right ones come up. One hasn't come up since since my I bought mine in 2017. It, I was so close to getting one at auction last year, but didn't manage to get it. But that's another story. Um, I kind of decided that actually I don't want the stress. I'd rather be lending the money and someone else does the stress part. Um, so I invested uh, with someone. I did a joint venture, a JV, you might hear it called, um, where I put up the money and the person that um, I was joint venturing with, they operated the unit um, as a service accommodation unit. Now I invested just before every, like the, the first major lockdown. So it was early March. So coronavirus was like, you know a thing and around but you know it, we were all still working we we're all still living our lives like you know not really thinking it was going to be a big thing or if it was we thought oh maybe things would be shut down for three months and that would be that but I invested I lost quite a lot of money over the period of time because there was no one really using the property um no one was there were no um obviously uh, people coming from abroad no tourists no nothing so I was basically shelling out money to keep the property turning over um, and eventually we managed to get out of the deal with the landlord um, but that is an example of of me going into something not knowing I didn't really understand how service accommodation works I've never done it before I went in with someone who had done it before but nobody could have predicted coronavirus you know um, and so I had to take the hit you know your capital is always at risk, whether it's because people tend to put their money in property thinking, oh, property is quite stable. No, mate, you know, <laughs> someone could, there could be, I don't know, someone could, a plane could fly into your building and your building's gone. Do you know, like there's always risk, you know, yes, it's a tangible asset. Yes, you can see it, but there's the risk of tenants not paying rent, which I've had before as well with my buy to let. Um, you know, there's just all these things and you have to be confident that you can cover the mortgage if in those situations you know I'm thankful that I've, I never had to take like a mortgage holiday last year like I had I got my tenants in there Oof, thank god literally March beginning of March last year I turned my property over got a new tenant in there and the tenants paid rent on time every single month and it's been like you know fine but I know so many landlords um, and serviced accommodation operators who their business is tanked absolutely tanked last year and they're only just starting to kind of and they had to either think about how they're going to change up their portfolio. People that have been, were doing rent to rents or running, you know, multi-let properties or, or running their properties as student lets, students went home. Student properties were empty. The amount of properties that have come to the market um, because people just couldn't afford to keep it turning over. It's been a mad year. It has been a mad it's year crazy. for property investors. And that's why I was just like, actually... I, I, you know, I thought, okay, let me go in and buy, um, you know, now that every, like all these properties are coming to market. But then Mr. Mr. Rishi with his stamp duty holiday, people are going mad with the way they're buying properties at inflated prices because they're like, I want to I wanna make use of this stamp duty holiday. Mm. Everything is so inflated. Investors are basically saying, well, you know, all these home buyers are coming in and they're paying above and beyond what is actually what we deem to be market value because they're really just trying to get in with the stamp duty holiday and all this kind of stuff. And, um, you know, first time buyers now like have extended, um, you know, the, the, the thresholds have been amended and changed and all this kind of stuff. So as an investor, you're kind of like, mm, you, you're waiting. You're, you're really, you're really waiting to see. It's a seller's market at the moment, really, you know, in terms of property anyway. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, <laughs> 
some I think what I've gathered from um, what you've just said is very um, in line with any form of investing, obviously coming from a more stocks and shares background. You, you kind of see the similarities between um, investing generally, you know, when we talk about risk and, and that kind of stuff and strategies, even options. Options is a very, very common strategy in the investment world. Some people might, may have heard of things like call options. Essentially what you've described is, a, is almost identical to what we call a call option in the in investment management world where you kind of agree on um, a price today with the option to pay for it later. Um, very, very interesting. Um, I like the idea of joint ventures as well. And I know you could do joint ventures in different ways. Um, I know even people can buy properties together and that's a whole different story in itself as well. One thing I want to say for anyone listening is, um, again, all these strategies come with their different characteristics. It's important to get knowledgeable about them and understand where you stand as well. You know, I always say investing, you can trade your time, your capital, your energy or your knowledge for a return. Um, depending on where you stand, if you're someone who's very knowledgeable, has the interest in property, then um, or wants to manage a property, then you can do things like rent to rent and that kind of stuff. Um, but if you're someone like myself, who um, obviously has other interests and, and generates an income from other means and just really wants to benefit from an asset class that's done really, really well for a very long period of time, which is property or, or real estate, however you want to term it, buy a tangible asset, then I would personally would prefer to buy and, and rent it um, to, to a family because I think that also comes with stability to an extent yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I just remember capital is always at risk with every single investment capital is at risk and at what finance we talk about financial education we don't provide financial advice we just provide education and information but we always want to remind um, listeners that capital is always at risk with every investment but don't be scared of the word risk because taking calculated risk is what can propel you to financial independence and financial freedom as well you know, I, I never really fully appreciated that that phrase, cap, capital at risk, until last year. <laughs> because <laughs> I've, I've just, yeah. Mm. I mean, apart from my somewhat difficult tenant um, a couple of years ago, um, they were just, they basically, you know, p- p- tugged at my heartstrings. They said they were, you know, struggling in terms of money. Um, you know, so I gave them the benefit of the doubt because, up until that point they'd been paying on time I said okay let's let's work out a deal you know you can pay half rent this month half rent the next month and then you know once you've got you've got your new job and whatnot then we can you know sort it out later down the line as soon as I did that that kind of then opened up the 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 threshold for them to kind of just start being a bit more lax with how they you know paid paid up and so it got to a point I just kind of said you know what no you when the tenancy came up to an end I said to them I'm not I'm not renewing your tenancy tenancy agreement uh, you need to basically move on um and they eventually did they tried they tried to say you know tug at the hostings again can't find somewhere etc etc and I said well if you're gonna stay you you can stay but you're gonna have to pay me you know extra like it, the rent will go up um and I'm sure given that you can barely afford the rent now it's you know you're not gonna be and then I think anyway, eventually I got them out and I managed to, they left the property in an absolute state. Um, so I managed to get like my de- the deposit money, all of that back um, to be able to refurb the property to, to get my new tenant in. But that in itself was stress. And then last year with the service accommodation unit, 
uh, when I calculated how much I lost in the end, I think it was probably about 14 grand. Mm. And that, that, that hurt because I was thinking, I know where I invest in Nottingham, 14K would have bought me a property. That's, that's like, not fearful. Deposit, do you know what I mean? So I'm just like, oh. But it was a lesson learned because I rushed into a, a joint venture agreement that I hadn't fully appreciated the contract agreement, you know? So I hadn't fully read it. I thought, you know, now going forward, anything contractual, I am taking my sweet time to read and fully understand it pay a lawyer if I need to pay a lawyer to come read over it like I will I, I would say to anyone listening never ever feel rushed into anything do not put any money down uh, you know until you are 100% sure that you are happy to lose it you know like know the risks and then and and then and then jump you know like just never never uh, honestly it is the worst but it was a lesson learned and a, and a good investor friend of mine said to me because um, I, I, I have a lot of investor friends who have lost a lot more money than I've lost. Like I'm talking hundreds of thousands of pounds lost um, and in serious debt. And my friend said to me, well, it's better that you learn the lesson now with that amount of capital than lose a hundred thousand later down the line. And I was like, you're yeah. so right. You're absolutely so right. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, you're touching on some of the challenges which you might go into a bit more and just want to take this moment well to to pause and just say thank you very much Faye for everything that you've been sharing so far we're going to go into a bit more but you've just been adding so much value because I can imagine our listeners at different journeys some thinking about property investing some already on the journey um, and how much value you're 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 offering out there so just a massive thank you um and you know to our listeners that are here we always just encourage you to share this with others to add values to their lives um do the usual on socials as well we'll also um encourage you faith towards the end of this uh episode to just share where people can find you as well on social media because there's only so much you can go into on one or two episodes on a podcast but you do so much more on your separate uh channels as well which um our listeners can tune in and just um as per usual on our episodes we do give a shout out to where we're getting new listeners um in different parts of the world and jacks today we're actually gonna get uh give a shout out to some slightly more local rather than international and this city that we're gonna give a shout out to is manchester so to all of our listeners in manchester just a massive shout out to you man big up manchester i mean i am a manchester united supporter (laughs) even though i've not spent a lot of time in manchester been there a few times um, I know it's not been going great for us football-wise in terms of uh, the month of uh, May, but you know, big up Manchester. We are going to be doing much better uh, next season, hopefully. Hopefully so. Hopefully so. <laughs> for the Manchester City fans at this time of recording, unlucky to what happened in the um, Champions League final, but we move, man. But yeah, just a massive shout out to all of our listeners um, over in Manchester and everyone else that continue to support what we do. Okay, Faith, back to you, I guess, with um, what you're doing, a large part of, I guess, um, why you're in investment, um, property investing, sorry, is um, income. Of course, investing for income. And part Mm. of what you're doing, I guess, do correct me if I'm wrong. So do you have an ideal number of how many properties you want to be in, different types of property. Um, 
in terms of um, how many you need to be in to get a return um, of investment to, I guess, satisfy your needs at a particular time, so to speak? Do you have an ideal number of what you're trying to achieve and where are you on that journey? Um, This is honestly a great question, Peter. Great question. Because I genuinely believe we are creatures, like we as humans are creatures whereby we'll set a target Mm. but when we reach it it's like okay what's the next target yeah. um I remember when I first started like looking for properties I, I in, at the time I was on what 25k income so I was probably earning I want to say like maybe 1500 a month after mm. tax you know and I remember thinking oh it would be my dream to earn 5k a month from property and I've not you know not have to do anything um and at the time because of the area that I was investing in um, you know, on average, it was £500 a month rent you can get from a property. So that would compute 10. If I really wanted, I'd need to get 10 properties to make up that 5k a month. Right. So I think that's if anyone's thinking about getting into property and trying to use property as a vehicle to retire, you need to think, OK, what's your end goal? What would you be happy and content with? Then work backwards, look at areas that you might be able to reach that goal sooner rather than later. If I had you know, waited and bought in London, I'd probably be a lot closer to that 5k a month goal from, you mm. know, in, in cer- certain areas. And this is why people love HMOs, because if I got an HMO, um, an HMO is, it can be anything from like, let's say three rooms to seven room. I've seen people create eight bedroom HMOs. And if each of those rooms, you're, you're letting it at 500 a month, you could get to that 5k a month off of just one property. So, it, it, it really this is where it comes back to how much do you value your time mm. <laughs> because stress it it is it, it can be very stressful being in property and and trying to buy you know trying to create an hmo be dealing with all these tenants moving in moving out vacancies all this kind of stuff that's stress so back then i wanted 5k a month which at the time i was thinking okay i'd need to get to about 10 by to lets mm. um if i if i wanted to meet that target now I'm at a stage in my life and in terms of like income, I'm, I'm on a much um, higher income than I was back then. Mm. And I'm starting to realise that actually I don't mind not reaching that property goal of 5k a month because I'm like, I'd rather have less stress mm. and, 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 and not have to deal with the liability. Because at the end of the day, if your property is empty, it's not an asset, it's a liability. So I'm now moving more towards development. Development is, uh, is a strategy that is probably the riskiest property investing strategy. But if it works out well, it can make you the most returns. But it's also something that you, you have to be comfortable with delayed gratification. You know, if you, buy, if you buy a plot of land or if you buy a property that you want to refurbish, it's going to take you a few months, maybe even a few years to get that property to an end state where you're going to be able to either let it out or sell it to then make back your capital. So what often people people look at like developers and, and, and think, oh, you know, they must be making so much money. But the reality is, as a developer, it's a very cash. You have to like you're in debt for a very long time before you then sell and make money. Um, so you have to be comfortable with being in debt and having to owe development finances the the lenders because once you move into development you're not dealing with your high street banks anymore or your you know your regular mortgage lenders you're going to 
either potentially bridging lenders who are very, um, you'll be paying very high interest on your loans, or you're going to full on development finance where they're lending you, you know, the money to do the build. So let's say it, it's going to cost you 500K to build out, you know, six, six houses, let's say, um, which is definitely too low. It'd definitely be more than that, but I'm just giving an example. You're then borrowing that money for, let's say, three years at 10% interest. It, it just, the numbers rack up. So you've got to be confident that you're going to be able to sell those houses at a very, very high price to be able to pay off your investors, pay off the lenders, and then still make money for yourself. So it's one of those strategies whereby whenever I've spoken to developers or people that have gone into property development without really fully appreciating it, they've always said to me, you need to have cash flow. You mm. need to have cash flow to be in property development, end of. So whereas previously I was rushing to, to quit my job because I wanted to be financially free and I wanted to be like, you know, on a beach somewhere and just income coming in from property. Reality is it's going to take a while for me to get there. I now realize that and I'm more than happy to continue to work, make income um, because that income is going to be the cash flow that keeps me afloat um, and then build or do development on the side because that is going to take much longer to come to fruition. So yeah, it, it's the, the, the my, yeah, my mindset has certainly changed. I remember a few years back, I did a podcast um, I think it was the Ted Talks podcast. And I'd said to him, like, I want to I want to quit my job. By April 2021, I would have quit my job and I'd be in property full time. I'm definitely not there. And I'm actually quite happy that I'm not there because I'm, I'm doing a job now that I absolutely love. And it's opened my eyes to like large scale development and how stressful it is. And it's not even my money. So I'm like, no, 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 no. Let me just take my time and, and, and wait you know it, it's okay to wait don't look at Instagram don't look at all these you know I, I mean I, I might even fall victim I'm, I'm probably one of the people that does it where I'm documenting my journey in the hope of helping other people but at the same time someone might be watching me and thinking oh you know she's got uh, a property or she's managed to do this and I haven't to, don't look don't just stay in your lane focus mm -hmm. on what you're focusing on know what your circumstances are don't be like obviously watch these people's channels for knowledge exp expertise and what have you but don't feel like you need to rush or you need to get to a certain place because someone else on instagram has got five houses or ten houses or whatever mm. just do you i i love that man and and that's something we talk a lot about um here on wealth finance or some of our episodes even on the episodes where we was just talking about generational wealth and i love the shifting you know mindset that you've had and that's based on the experiences and the learnings that you've been going. You're shifting it in, in, in alignment with your personal journey and your roadmap that you're taking. And rightly so, like, let's do us. Um, we're not trying to fulfill someone else's dream. It's about what's our journey and staying in our own lane. Of course, we can draw inspiration, but it's about staying in our lane as well. So absolutely, definitely agree with that. Um, but yeah, that, that was just, yeah, brilliant, man. Really, really uh, great to just hear all of that, um, Faith. And in a bit, um, I'm going to ask if you don't mind to just, I guess, share some of your top tips, maybe three top tips when it comes to property investing. But something I wanted to ask, actually, and I know you've moved more into development, but with... Uh, you know, your your first investment property, um, 
we didn't go too much into the process of repaying the uh, mortgage. Of course, it's, it's going to be um, focusing on interest only, which I'll ask if you can go into a bit more into that. But what's the plan? So w- when you've got this property, let's say someone wants to get, I don't know, five properties, what's the plan in, in, in 25 years? Are you still going to be paying that back? Or what's the end goal, if, if, if that makes sense? Hmm. Firstly, you should always buy property with an exit strategy in mind. Mm. or know know what your end strategy is for me it was always buy and hold buy and hold and pass on to generations to come so I was very comfortable in the knowledge of potentially never really realizing you know the the benefits of of that property like in my mind I'm looking at this from a legacy piece I'm like I want my great-grandchildren to be enjoying that rental income and and not have to have had to do anything for it um and so that's that's what so when I bought the reason why so mortgage so mortgages let's start with that actually so when you buy a house often and this is why property is such a great asset because it's one of the only assets I think that you can get money like a bank will lend you the money to buy so you will typically if you want to buy a property whether you're buying to live or you're buying to let it out you will go to, the, to go to a bank or a lender. Um, you will say, I want to buy a property. Um, and the bank will ask you, well, how much is the property? What's the value of the property? So let's say the value of the property you're buying is £100,000. Let's say you're buying it as a buy to let. The bank will say, you need to put down 25% of that. And then we will lend you the remaining 75%. Mm-hmm. So that that what that 75% that's what we call loan to value so the com- um, the bank will loan you money based on the value of that asset and the reason why a bank or a lender will lend you property is cuz property is seen as a relatively defensive asset you know if you're to default on the loan i.e. one day you can't pay your mortgage back they can sell the property they can make their money back somehow or at least that, that's that's the hope. So anyways, that's what a mortgage is. It's essentially a loan that you've gotten from a bank to buy a property. You can then choose, and now I'm not a mortgage lend, mortgage um, advisor, so you should always speak to someone uh, who is a, a registered like mortgage advisor, but you can choose to have either to pay the, um, to have a repayment mortgage where you're basically paying on a monthly basis and you're, you're paying the whole debt. So you're paying, um, so let's say that 75K the, the bank has given you to buy the property. Each month you're paying it back. And by the end of your term, so you might borrow that money for 25 years, let's say. So if you're on a repayment mortgage, at the end of those 25 years, you will own that property outright because you've paid back the bank and you've paid the interest that you owed the bank on top of that money. The other way to potentially do it, and usually if you're buying a property to live in, people tend to go for that repayment mortgage. If you're buying an investment property, you can choose to, to, do just, to pay just the interest portion of the loan. So at the end of those 25 years, you've paid the bank back their interest, but you still owe them that 75K. Mm. So an interest-only loan is, is like investors like it because it's usually less money that you're paying to the bank, therefore you've got more cash in hand. So I chose to take the interest only um, mortgage because like I said previously, so my rent at the time was 500 pounds a month. 
if I'd then chosen to do a repayment mortgage, I probably would have had, been, have, had to have been paying the bank anywhere, like probably about 200 pounds a month. Mm-hmm. That would have left me with 300 pounds. And then if I'd chosen to get an agent on board to help me manage it, I probably wouldn't have been left with a lot of money. Mm. But because I went with interest only, I was paying at the time, I think, £95 a month in interest to, on, on the mortgage, which then left me with a lot more cash. Um, and that's why I chose to do it that way. But what I was also doing, just so that everyone is aware, I was the money that I was getting, the rent that I was generating, I was still I wasn't spending it, essentially, <laughs> going back to um, 15 year old Faith never spending her money. So I was keeping that rent. Um, so once I paid my tax for the year, um, done my self-assessment, I was keeping that rent. So that rent money was, um, that profit was building up. And then when I came to remortgage and I did uh, remortgage earlier this year onto a new product with the same bank, I didn't change banks. Um, there's an opportunity to, to overpay. So each year you should, most lenders will give you an opportunity to pay overpay on your mortgage so I chose to take a lump sum much to my wealth manager's dismay (laughs) I took a lump sum and paid down a lot of the debt because I don't want to be in a situation after 25 years where I don't own the asset the Mm. bank still owns the asset so I've paid that down and I think I've got probably about 15k left um, of debt on that property to pay down which I can um, my intention is over the next you know five years or so to you know keep strategically overpaying to then get that down to zero so then I own the asset outright completely so that's my choice that's what I chose to do I know other investors that only see property as a vehicle so they buy a property with the idea in mind that in 10 years time they're going to sell it or you know five years time they're going to make their money back then some um, and then sell it so I'm at a stage now where I I've had the property four years I've already in terms of rent by the second year I'd made back the amount of money that I put in so my 17k deposit or whatever Mm. I basically made that back after about two and a half years so in my eyes I if I was to sell the property now I've kind of I've made I've made a profit on it depending on how you you want to look at it but my intention was never to sell but Mm. there are some people that would choose to use the use property to get that extra money capital then sell it on potentially get capital gain so hope Hopefully you've, you've, you've refurbed the asset, you've added value, you then sell it on five years down the line, got your rent profit from it. Um, you then got an uplift in value because the property market's gone up. Then you might be able to use that cash to go on and buy more and more and more and more. So it really just depends on you as an individual, what you're looking to get out of property. Brilliant, man. Really, really loving it. And the importance of having an exit strategy when you are going um down this route as well but yeah just brilliant man loads of gems uh there faith man really appreciate you and i know we don't have you forever but what will be good to hear from you before we let you go is maybe one to three top tips for i will say future property investors but even people that are have um, started the journey as well based on your learnings what are three up to three top tips that you have Okay, Um, my top tips might contradict themselves, (laughs) but my first tip I always say to people is don't wait to buy property, buy property and wait. Because I think a lot of people, the the one main question I tend to get in my Instagram DMs is, oh, um, is now a good time to buy? 
in my opinion, there's never a good time to buy um, in, in property because you just don't know. Like last year could have been a good time to buy, but then coronavirus hit and everything just went skew with. So you just you just don't know. I think when you buy, you what you should you shouldn't be thinking, is it a good time to buy? You should be thinking, is it a good time for me to buy? So are you in a financially secure position to be taking on that amount of debt in a property? That's the question you should be asking yourself because ultimately if you can take if you can take on a property take on that debt because it is debt that's what a mortgage is mm. and you can fi- you can finance that debt i.e you can pay the mortgage back every month whether it's you living in the property and you're paying it through your income your salary or it's a, a, a tenant that's in there paying the mortgage if if the tenant doesn't pay you your rent can you still pay the mortgage if you, if you ask yourself that, those questions and you feel that, yes, I can, I'm in a good enough job, it's stable enough, I know that I can pay that mortgage, then it's a good time for you to buy. You shouldn't be thinking about what the market's doing because property values will go up, they will go down. No one can predict macroeconomic factors that could impact value. So you just need to be comfortable in yourself. Like You don't want to be stressing buying a property, interest rates inflate, and then you can't afford to pay the mortgage back. So that's my first top tip. Like, don't wait to buy property, buy property and wait. And also buy property if you feel it's the right time for you once you've done your due diligence. Um, my other top tip would be to invest in an area that you know. You, it might be an area you live in. It might be an area that you lived in or it might be an area that you choose and you do a lot of research into before you choose to buy. I think it's always so much better to know the area because then you you will have those nuances. You'll know, okay, where's a good place to buy, where, where is desirable, where do people want to live in this area, is it in the city centre, is it slightly out, you know, where are the good rent, like, where can you get good rents, or where can you get a good yield, um, all of this kind of stuff, and then my other thing, I would say, it, it slightly contradicts what I've just said, but having invested in Nottingham, purely out of circumstance, because I couldn't afford to invest in London, if I, if I could go back, I probably would have been a bit more patient. I would have waited and tried to buy somewhere closer to London because then it would just mean that I wouldn't have to do... To be honest, I haven't had to travel up to Nottingham much, I've maybe two or three times in the four years that I've had the property because I've had good tenants. But if I didn't have good tenants and I was choosing to manage it myself, there'd be a lot of back and forth. Um, so, so yeah, invest in the area, you know, and try to invest as close as, as, close to you as possible because if things go wrong, if you need to meet... A, t- a tenant or do a viewing or meet a tradesperson to do work on the property you can get there relatively quickly those are my top tips love it love it thank you so much faith and and i guess we we can probably do another episode well just on property investing but also um just on the back of that in terms of your top tips you are of course um a woman a black woman as well it'll be good to uh, to hear maybe one um, extra thing around that in terms of, you know, we have a lot of black listeners, of course, um, and who are uh, women. It'll be good to, if you feel there is a difference when it comes to being a black woman in this space, it'll be good to hear maybe one top tip. But as I said, uh, Jax, I don't know about you, but we can definitely do a whole nother episode just on that alone. But um, whilst we still have you, Faith, it'll be good to hear maybe just one thing that you've got to say to that particular audience. I mean, it's not just one thing. <laughs> Um, I would say that I, I believe in not, we all know that there are uh, unconscious biases in, in play across industries, whether you're in property, finance, wherever you are, 
there are unconscious biases, there is, there is favoritism, there's nepotism, there's all these kind of things at play. So when you are one black and two female and then black and female, there are certain barriers that potentially exist, but I'm someone, I don't like to think of things as being a barrier. I'm, I'm, I just go and, and knock those barriers down. There's, I think, ultimately what I've seen from property investing, cash is king. So you might be black and you might be a woman and you might feel like all oh, people might treat you differently. They won't when they see your bank account. Like an agent, all they care about is proof of funds. They, they're there to make money. And if you can show them that you're a serious buyer, you're about yourself, you've got your mortgaging principle, you've got your proof of funds, you know, boom, this is, this, you know, here it is and present that and present yourself in such a way that they can't deny you. At the end of the day, you're there to, to make money for yourself. And in the process, the agent is going to be making their money. The mortgage advisor will make his money. Do you know what I mean? So at the end of the day, I think it just comes down to a money point and then also be the way you carry yourself when it comes to property investing. As, as a field, I would say in general, property is a really, you get some really great people in property. People are really willing to help. I've reached out to and I've networked and I've met a lot of property investors who have been really helpful, giving, giving me their time in exchange for a coffee or, or whatever. And mm. we've you know met up and we've talked about the you know, trials and tribulations and what we're going through. It is a really lovely field. There are some sharks, so you have to be careful um, of the way you conduct yourself, who you trust sometimes. But on a whole, I think it's a really wonderful industry. And you should always, in my mind, never really see your either your skin colour or your gender as, as something that will hold you back. You recognise that there are those kind of structural issues in place, whether it's... Uh, structural or institutional racism or you know gender bias whatever it might be they exist yes but make sure that you put yourself in you conduct yourself in a way that they can't deny you because you've got the money at the end of the day someone is looking to sell the, the money as long as it's clean and they you know they'll do their money laundering checks you haven't you know illegally gotten that money that's all they're going to care about at the end of the day, in my opinion. So come correct, come with your you know, things together um, and then just go forward. Yeah. Love it, man. Very encouraging. Thank you so much for that faith, man. Jax, man. Um, we've of course heard so much. I'm sure you've learned quite a bit, but we good to hear from you. A final takeaway from today's uh, episodes, man. Gosh, I think we've covered so many different areas today with faith. Um, I think, one thing I really want to say to Faith is, is a massive thank you um, for all the knowledge and the gems that she's dropped. But I think for me, the, the best thing about today was the, the honesty. Um, what I tend to find with a lot of investors in different um, areas, whether it's properties, stocks and shares, etc., cetera, is um, when you're so passionate about something, you kind of forget that there are pros and cons of, of the journey. Um, and so by faith giving us a true, um, and I know how passionate faith is about, is about property. So for her to come and be very honest with us is something that I really, really appreciate because then new investors going into this, into this field um, are not going to this field uh, naive or, or you know, not understanding that there are gonna be challenges along the way. 
um and that kind of stuff so thank you so very much for that faith i really really do appreciate that more than you probably think because i see it all the time people talk about investing as if you know as soon as you start you're going to make your millions you're going to become financially free immediately and that's not the case it is a journey and it, there is a process to it um but i have learned so much more than i already knew um and i'm also looking forward to um seeing where faith's journey actually um ends up basically so yeah thank you both for having me we would love to get you back again uh, faith because this is there's just so much involved in this as well and just even hear more about your journey as well so um yeah i definitely second that man just a massive thank you and did you have any more it'll be good um faith uh for you to let us know um in your final words where you know our listeners can find you to know a bit more and yeah hear a bit more from you yeah sure um my instagram is at the property hustle so all one word the property hustle um i'm not great with social media these days because i've got so much going on um but i do post things on there and i interview people um and i try and add as much value as possible there's also my youtube channel which has a, a ton of videos um around property investing different strategies you can kind of follow my journey on there that's the property hustle um you should find me quite easily um, yeah, those are the two main platforms you can reach me on. Brilliant, man. So that's definitely Instagram at The Property Hustle. And of course, Facebook and of course, YouTube as well, man. The loads of um, videos um, over there. Your most re- recent video being um, talking a bit more about the 5% deposit scheme here in the UK, which I watched and really enjoyed. So to our listeners, man, please do the usual and support um, Faith in what she's doing with the property hustle as well. Faith, any final words before we let you go? No, not really. I mean, I feel like I might have been a bit doom and gloom. Like, property is great and it's a great way to create generational wealth, but you just have to be smart and you have to be patient. Love it, love it, love it. Smart and patient. Thank like you. all investments. Like all investments. That's the key. Yeah, absolutely. Agreed, man. Just like all investments and asset classes we put our money into. So Faith, man, once again, thank you very much for your time. We look forward to welcoming you back again. Wishing you all the very best. And to our listeners, thank you once again for tuning in to another episode on the Woke Finance Podcast. Please do the usual like if you haven't liked what you're listening to, I don't know where, what you're spending your time on. Comment, share, subscribe, add value to someone else's uh, life as well by speaking to them about it and tune in for the next episodes. And remember all. Say, well, folks.